are live. Friends, welcome to PC Journey. I'm your host, DPZ, and with me, I am lucky enough to have the infamous Bro Namath. Thank you, Bro Namath, for joining me today. Looking forward to it, man. Um, really excited about this one. Yeah, no, this is gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun because we're actually gonna be talking about um, we're gonna be talking about actual cards. We're not talking about investment, you know, nostalgic value. Yes, uh, actual value. Yes, that's important, but it's gonna really boil down to what what do these cards mean to you? Why do you have them? How did you come about? these cards or comics or whatever it is you're collecting um, where you're going, what's the next grail, those types of things. Then we're going to have a little fun segment where well, you're going to like, you're going to show me your best of the best or things that matter to you. So why don't you just uh, kick me off with uh, where, where'd you come from? How did you get into the space? How long, I mean, you have that typical background story or is it more geared around, you know, just lately or how long have you been in the game? Um, I think it's kind of similar to a lot of people, uh, you know, you collected when you were young for me uh, at my middle school and elementary school, there was a car shop that was right next to it. I was real big into collecting press pass because I was a huge collegiate college fan for football. So I always wanted to collect uh, press pass, you know, and I was really heavy in Peyton Manning's rookie year, uh, Tom Brady's rookie year, Charles Wood. I was a huge Charles Woodson fan as a kid. Uh, and at the same time of those years, I think it was 97, 98, uh, was when Pokemon was coming out in the U.S. So I was hands deep in both, you know, and I was juggling both. And uh, I was, it became huge into Pokemon and, and, and love Pokemon, love sports cars. And as the years go on, you know, with the high school and you just didn't really collect anymore. And just the stuff was stashed in my my parents' basement or garage and just kind of forgot about it. I was also into toys. Uh, I remember going around everywhere buying Toy Biz um, Marvel Legends. And if you don't know what those are, those are the comic, uh, those are the toys that come with the comic book in the background. And they were, they were ahead of its time back then, you know, 98, 2000, 2001. And I was going around everywhere. There was exclusives nice. at um, KB Toys in the mall. There was exclusives at Blockbuster. So there was these rare variants. And so for me, I've always been a collector and I always wanted to collect things. I never really, I never even opened them. So I was buying them, keeping them sealed and, and collecting them. So that's, uh, that was kind of my kickoff story, my origin story. And then about two years before COVID, I had gotten back into collecting cars and it was Dragon Ball in particular. I had a couple of friends that I communicated with and they said, hey, look, you know, Pokemon's doing really well again and all these things. I'm like, man, I just can't fathom spending that amount of money on cards. So I started buying Dragon Ball because in 2018 is when Dragon Ball Super cards started to come out for the first time in uh, English format. So I started buying those. So they were pretty cheap and grading them and building this PC. And then my buddy and I were working out. And he was like, dude, you got to get into sports cards. You're missing out. And I was like, all right, well, let me go ahead and put my hand in a sports card. I remember the first car I bought that I was like, holy cow, this is a lot of money. I bought a Trey Young Silver PSA 10 uh, for $200. And I bought a Luca Prism Silver PSA 10. And I think it was like $350 or $400. I'm like, that's a lot of money. And the guy said, no, I'm giving you a great deal. He just sat in the other. I was like, all right, cool. I'll just throw them in the side. You know, for, it was a lot of money for cards. You know, I hadn't spent that amount of money yet. And then all yeah. of a sudden, like, Two months later, those cards went up to like a thousand and two thousand dollars. Like, oh, this is pretty cool, and I sold them yeah. off. <laughs> and then yeah, I yeah, yeah. pretty quickly, you can make money doing it. Yeah, then you're hooked. Then you're hooked. 
So talk to me about talk to me about Bowman Chrome. Like I I don't know what it is, but there is if there is I like to say with this show we don't want to have we like to stay steer clear of envy. But man, I don't know how you do it, but you buy products and you rip. And I've seen a few of your rips. You just get a bunch of pictures too. I've seen it. I know it happens. I know the picture happens. But you pull some fire, man. You were able to pull on your first to market. Talk to me about how does that how does that work? I mean, how do you how do you do that? I'm a huge Bowman Chrome fan. I, I when I got into sports, um, it was pretty quickly that I realized that baseball has a really big collector base. Uh, prospects, they don't allow prospects to fail as quickly as we do a rookie in NFL or in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's multiple buying and selling windows for prospects. Uh, you have obviously the inception of the product being released. And then from there, you have multiple layers. I mean, the, the player may perform well or not up to expectations and his, his value may come down. There's a buying window for someone that may want a prospect. You got to remember, these are 17, 18-year-old kids in some cases that are coming over to the U.S. for the first time, and they have to get adjusted. So a lot of people love the prospect. It is more of a gamble for sure. However, it does have a big payoff. Uh, for me, I personally don't like gambling. I know I've always said that in all of my podcast interviews or into anyone that I speak to. So I do like to rip. I do like to sell. I do like to grade. I do like to sell. And ultimately, hopefully the person that buys from me is buying a prospect. They're like, man, I can't believe this guy sold it to me for so cheap. And then, you know, that person blows up like Volpe. I was chasing Dominguez to grade and sell and had all this Volpe. And I was like, this guy's, you know, who this guy's terrible. Who's, who's, yeah, who's Volpe? Yeah, right. yeah, and I was giving him to to break and wax for like free. It's <laughs> <He was laughs> like, thanks, bro. Yeah, he's taking all these cards on. I was like, oh, this is perfect. And uh, little did I know, he ended up being a stud. Did you, did you give him any color, or you just give him base ones? Dude, honestly, I had so much because I was doing case breaks. I'm a big pick your team case break person. Uh-huh. I just think your value goes really far in those. Uh, whereas you buy one box, you may get, you know, get nothing. At least I can own that team with right. any hit to come out of it in a full case. There you go. And how do you know what, I mean, you, you obviously do your homework to know what team to, to, to pick, but aren't those teams, <coughs> excuse me, aren't those teams more difficult to get when you yeah. know, like let's pretend the Brewers for this, this is a prospect this year. I don't even know. How, I don't even know his name. I'm, I'm a little behind it. Um, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, very hit. I mean, it's got to be hard to get the Brewers, right? You just got to be quick. <laughs> when 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 people post it on uh, Instagram, you got to pick the team quick, be like that. You just got to yeah. jump on it. Got it. What I do is I stick with you know three, four breakers uh, for Bowman, okay. and you know I don't really go elsewhere. And you've got a relationship established with them, so they, you know, they, you know, obviously it's first come first serve, right? Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it always is. I mean, there's been times I've struck out, you know, but for me, I'd rather support the people that I've been with on this journey for the past three or four years. That to me is, is yeah. worth more. And I, and I respect they don't just give me the team. Um, that just doesn't happen. And I think everyone should have a fair shot. So I do appreciate that from them, too. That's cool. So you're that's main, that's your main avenue is through the breaks and picking a team. It's not through buying retail it's not through buying hobby yeah, i mean I, I do rip personals like i, I get a little zealous and ripped a couple of cases on jaspies that's when i hit that gold cheerio so it paid out um got it, which got i already it. sold but uh yeah that yeah, was no. no you got yourself a slap stock post man that's pretty that's pretty nice like they got that that's kind of how i started i i my first foray into like social media or just content for the hobby was slap stocks digging corners so my first, I, I bought a Griffey 89 upper deck, VGS 9. I mean, I talked about it on a couple of these shows, you know, whatever. I was learning about all of that, but this is 19. 
but that was the first like show and it was Bowman Chrome and it was the first and I dove headlong into that learning about that because I'm a huge baseball fan it's like it's not even close like like my sport so you know Mariner guy over up here in the Pacific Northwest got about five people that collect up here with me um and baseball is just everything and it's kind of a nice time to be into baseball with the Mariners having a pretty good a pretty good farm system and the prospects and all that kind of stuff so that was my entrance is Bowman Chrome. So I always have a, a heart for that. My problem with Bowman Chrome is, and you, which you don't, you have great hands for it. You'll sell it like that. You're first to market. You sell it. It sounds like you get in there you get out and you find those exit opportunities. Me, I hang on because I'm a collector, too much of a collector with the mindset of a collector going into it, going, I don't want to, I want to keep this guy. I want to hang on to Wander. I'm going to hang on to these guys because I feel like they're going to become something and I want to be first in on that guy. I want to have that low entry point and have that first Bowman Chrome of that guy. Then I don't sell. Then I lose money. That's why I suck at that. So, well, I mean, to be fair, like I said earlier, there's, there's those buying windows, right? You know, Julio was, was going for money and then his, his prices came down and then he went up and his prices came down and his went up. So there's, there's been a roller coaster for his pricing or I think you could sell and end up buying again. Right, right. Well, well, Julio, I'm fine. I've kept him. I got him at 500 for his uh, first Bowman Chrome Auto PSA 10. I got that, you know, in 2020 um, because it's, you know, it's Julio. I already kind of knew about him and I was going to hang on to him anyhow and um, picked up his logo Fractor 9.5 just because I wanted to get something. Um, I wanted to get something that I can hang on to for a long time. Um, but it, it, it's, the, it's the other guys. It's like Marco Luciano. Like I, I bought his car like three different times. Then I sold it three different times <laughs> and I haven't sold it ever for a profit. So I kind of just keep changing my mind. I think that's my problem. I'm probably helping the market along by buying and selling and someone's getting some room to make some money and whatever. Anyway, so that's, that's, that's my story on Bowman Chrome, but you, you have a different formula and it works for you. I think it's great to see someone that understands how to, how to, how to work within that market it's not manipulation at all. I think it's just being behaving in a way that you understand where the exits are. You understand um, when it's important to be on market and how to go about getting these cars without putting yourself in a precarious situation financially doing so. I think some people might be doing that. That's what you worry about with that prospecting. Yeah. I mean, there, there's market trends. And for the most part, the market trends have always stayed constant and consistent uh, while the while the overall hobby, you know, items are down and, and there's some losses going on, on on these big auction houses, new products still sells well within the first two or three weeks um, among release. And then some, if you're getting the rare stuff, people are usually taking that and putting it away for prospecting. Like you don't see many of the big autos shopped around frequently mm-hmm. uh, from Bowman first. The biggest mistake was the Torkelson Red that the guy paid 116 for it and then sold it recently for 19 grand. I mean, that's not a card that you you only hold for six months. That's a card you hold to see if he becomes an MVP caliber player because that's what you paid for. You paid for that. You might as well wait to see what happens. Uh, I think people are just exiting at the wrong time right now, and it makes it look a little bit worse than it should be. So, yeah, there's somebody has a – has it Shine? I think Shine has that Wander Super Factor. Does he have the 101? Yes. That he's like, I'm not selling that for a while. It's okay. Yeah. You, kids can always be in a video, bro. Um, a little cameo here. <laughs> always. Yeah. Always. I got, if if they weren't all at daycare right now, I'd, I'd have them all huddled around me. Um, they love the microphone. They get excited about that and like to sing it, too, which is pretty cool. Okay. Um, baby. 
Yeah, I think um, I think it's important to 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 know the card you have and what you're, you're going to hold. So let me ask this question: Since we're talking about your PC, have you held on to anything? Do you have anything that you've you're prospecting on that you intend to hold on to for a while? It's I know this is going to sound crazy. Uh, besides the more most recent Bowman that I have that I'm getting stuff in and grading, uh, I don't own any sports cards at the moment. Okay. I, I own uh, okay. Maybe, I, like I own it. maybe seven Deshaun Watson cards. Um, just oh yeah, arrival uh, window. That's it. Wow. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so you kind of exist in the space, but you're you're kind of in, you're kind of out. Now, do you have an anticipation of owning something in the future? You, what, what's oh, your absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, so I'm buying. I'm buying Bowman right now, right? So I'm I'm in the space. It just yeah. for me, it's it's about market trends, uh, where I try to fit in, and I like so much. So for me, I, I I don't have to be solely in sports. I don't have to solely be in TCG or comic books or or toys or anything else. I can I can coexist among everything. I just have more of a passion for the TCG stuff, for the comic books, uh, for the toys. I mean, it's really what I loved as a kid. It's what I love now. It hasn't changed. I still, you know, watch the anime. I still read the mangas. So for me, that's where I prefer. I obviously love sports. I watch sports. I'm a very avid sports person. Um, but I, I have more. Um, I, it's easier for me to hold something in TCG long term than it is for sports cards because I have more of a connection to the TCG stuff than I would for Ben Simmons, who ended up, you know, being a disaster. Right. Right. So you went in on, okay. Um, interesting. Is, is it fair to say it, does that have something to, does it, does any of it in your heart of hearts have anything to do with your concern for the long, the longevity, the stability of the market for cards? Nope. I just never just been a gambler. I've just never been a gambler. Um, I've, I've never held on to cards for players performance. I've just never done it. Uh, I buy, you know, towards the end of season, off season and sell preseason always. That's just always been my formula for the past five years. It's always worked. I it, Do I lose out on bigger profits? Sure. Do I care? No. Do I lose? No. So, you know, that's that's kind of where I'm at. If I sell something for 2x and that next person can sell for 4x, I'm happy for that person. I'm not upset about that at all. I'm not greedy. I made my money and I, I like to take it on and move elsewhere. So you wouldn't want to hold like a, a mantle or a, a Ruth or some iconic card that's not so much about selling or buying and you know it's more about just holding something you that wouldn't that wouldn't intrigue you at all. That See that, like. that that doesn't get me going. If you if you were to tell me, hey, if I had Batman one or Superman one, would you hold them? Like, yeah. Okay, okay. So let's <laughs> let's let's walk into that. Let's walk into that because that's obviously what you love, and I want to I want to talk about that. Cards are great, but you know, comics. I've I have I'm I, I'm not a savant. I have a buddy of mine, actually the bass player in my band that I've been playing music with for over 20 years. He and I both kind of, you know, ventured into this hobby space at the same time in 19. He started buying comics. I started buying cards and we go back and forth sharing stuff. He shows me all these different comics. He talks about the different um, the reprints or the print. I mean, you're going to tell me all these things. It's going to spark. It's going to spark back to me. But it, it's there. It's a it's it's. It is it been around longer. I well, not longer. I think it's been around the same amount of time, but I feel like it's sturdier. Oh, I yeah. If, I feel like the comic book market is stronger, it's more mature. Um, 
I've been saying this for years. <laughs> I've, I've been telling people that if you want to park money, you're, you're safer parking it in comic books. Yeah. Store of value conversation, right? Store of value. Because we talk about cars, people like to think, okay, investments, stocks, they're not stocks. They're not investments. They're just not. They don't pay a dividend. You know, it's just, that's not, that's not what they are. Um, but comic books, but we talk about cards or comics, it's about the store of value. And I, I do believe that comics are a better store of value. I just don't own any. I'm a huge Spider-Man guy, but I just feel like the barrier to entry sometimes is a little steep. He spent a ton of money. He's got them all hanging on his walls, the ones he really likes. Um, but he's got some that he doesn't, you know, don't see the light of day either. Um, talk to me about comic books. Tell me about your, your story with comics, how you got into it. I know you got TCG, but let's start with comics. What, what's, what's, yeah, give me, a, give me an entry point for comics for you. So about uh, two and a half, three, no, probably about three years ago, uh, right before COVID, um, I was like, you know, was into sports cars, into TCs, TCG space. And I was like, you know, I don't really want to buy action figures. I have a bunch already. I have this whole Marvel Legends sealed collection that's just, you know, PC thing stashed away. Um, what can I do to parallel with that? I wasn't a firm believer back then in the uh, the PMGs and all that stuff, just because to me, like, it, it's it's not the true essence of what Marvel or DC is. Those are comic books. Those are the rookie cards or the comic books. I don't want to hear someone say, oh, it's it's his first red PMG or his first, you know, well, first right. card. I don't care. That's not that's not Spider Spider Man is not supposed to be in a card. He's supposed to be in a comic book. Um, so for me, I went the, the comic book route. Granted, if I would have done the PMGs back then, I would have made a lot more money. And you would have uh, sold it at the right time too, right? Yeah, you, you know, know grant, and even now they're they're flat, but uh, yeah. the comic books are right. The comic books have stayed a lot more steady now than then. So I started buying a lot of Spider Man, like you you had referenced. I'm a big Spider Man guy, so I was going after all the key books. Uh, key books are first appearances. Uh, key books are um, iconic covers. Uh, so for Golden Age. Uh, talking DC, you're talking uh, the older, late 30s, early 40s. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, the first appearance because some of those are millions and millions of dollars that can be on iconic covers. Uh, in some of the artwork, the artists matter, right? So for uh, for, for different um, books, you know, you'll have different artists and certain artists like Ditko for Spider-Man does really well. Uh, he's who you want to go uh, to invest in. So I was buying Spider-Man. You know, I got Amazing Spider-Man 1. Uh, which crazy story with that is I had paid, I want to say it was a 6.0 or 5.5. I can't remember what it was. It was a high grade for Amazing Spider-Man 1. Amazing Spider-Man 1 is his first book uh, of his own series. So it's his second appearance. His origin story was told. Amazing Amazing uh, Fantasy 15 is his first appearance. So you have first appearance. You have his first solo book, his origin story, which is his second appearance, which had Fantastic Four on the cover. He's on the building webbed out. I paid, I want to say, 16 grand for that book off of eBay. Um, book comes in the mail, open it. There's no book. Completely empty box. I'm freaking out. I'm calling, you know, the I'm texting the person in DM. Like, there's no book in here. Like, I took a video of me opening it. There's no book. He's like, oh, well, you could have, you could have done that yourself. You could have opened it, taken it out, retaped it, and then filmed it. And I'm like. I'm not a liar. <laughs> like I've never, I've never stolen in my life. I have what? great, like, I, dude. There's no book in here. I got all there is is you know bubble wrap. That's it, and the weight's completely off. So we go back and forth. I'm having to go through eBay. eBay saying that it was delivered. 
I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm sitting, I just spent 16 grand on this book and now for here a cardboard box. For yeah. a cardboard box. And now I'm sitting back, stressed out. It was a Friday night. Uh, we're sitting here with my wife, we got a glass of wine. I'm like, oh my God, I don't need the whole bottle. You know, I'm like, I, I'm I'm just I'm just besides myself. I've never been scanned before. And I, I sit back and I'm like, I, I guess I'm gonna have to go the Amex route. And that's why I pay for everything on my Amex, you know, in case of events like this. Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. So the next day I wake up and I'm on social media and I'm searching amazing Spider-Man one hashtags, ASM one hashtags. And sure enough, I find the book saying serial. It's my book all the way in California, never even left the city being resold on a comic book, uh, middleman's Instagram. No way. Yeah, dude, it was no it was way old story, man. So I got a couple buddies involved. Uh, someone that's in Utah is, is, you know, friend over in Cali is a DA. And I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Like, you need to send that book to me. You stole it, blah, blah, I'll prosecute you at $16,000 mail fraud, yada, yada, yada. And I ended up getting the book sent to me. Um, but yeah, that was anyway. So that was my. Well, was, no, 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 no. You can't just move on. What did he say to you? Like, how, how was that? It, it was so bizarre. So I'm calling this guy and he's, you know, like, oh, well, I, I, I got this book off of someone um for five thousand dollars i'm like well you you're in a comic book so you clearly know that's not a five thousand dollar book dude and he I, I in long story short i think the person that sold it never and put it in and gave it to this person to try to sell it again the double dip i think it was a whole like oh. weird creation going on uh, because the person was facetiming me with this individual like oh this is the person that i bought it from hey tell them you're sorry it was really bizarre i was like listen i don't care about any of this i just want my book you know, I don't even want, I want the book. I don't care about the money. I want the book. I want the book. I've gone through this trouble now. Send me my book. So I ended up getting the book and it was just, it was such a disaster. It was the first and only time, knock on wood, that I've been scammed. And I did the detective work to find it. Wow. And then I sold the book for 28 grand, like two months later. So. And then, and then you just then you then you, you pull a bro name and you just sell it and you profit and you put money in your pocket. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. Wow. So in that and, and so does that happen a lot in the space? You know, it's never happened to me. So you have if it doesn't happen to you, you think it never happens, correct? Right. That's like that's your 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 take on it. But you've heard all these stories from people, and you just heard mine now, and now you're like, oh man, maybe it might happen to me. Um. You know, it's it, it sucked. It was terrible. The the feel that way it was it was a gutless feeling. You know, you're like your heart was just gripped out. I was excited for this book, um, and and the reason why I sold it was because the market just went crazy. So yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, like I had a, a genuine interest in wanting that comic book, but I also am not going to avoid a spike in market trend. I've done this long enough to know that people will run things up. Not me. I mean, I only had one copy, but someone may have 10, 15, 20 copies. And then they manipulate it, like you, you said earlier. That's a selling window. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll sell my book. I didn't really want to. I kind of want to hold it on. Like I had, you know, pictures with my kids holding up with their Spider Gwen outfits and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm selling the book. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not dumb. I'm not going to want to lose money on something. I think that book is probably around the same price I paid for it now. Uh, so it has had a huge drop, um, maybe a little bit more, maybe 18 grand, 19 grand, but it's still not that 28 grand. Right, right. So that started it for you, it sounds like. And so where did you learn about first editions, first appearances, 
And there's something else about the book that's like important that they, they sold it either in a gas station or a store or it sold it. Isn't there a, a variation on the print? My, my, my buddy was always telling me about that. That here, was important. Let me, let me find I got some books here. So I'll show you some books. I know you're talking about highlighting collections, but I have some stuff. No, here. no, no, no. This is your collection. And I want to talk about comics because no one talks about comics enough. In my opinion, no one talks. So, about them, so. I'm, I'm real bullish on Miles Morales. Let's see if you can get here. Yeah, so, so this is Miles Morales's origin story, his second appearance. This is basically Miles Morales's Amazing Spider-Man 1. Okay? It's called yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man 1. Um, this book is nothing crazy. It's like $800 or so. It was like $1,200 around peak. But he's got a movie, he's got a movie coming out, an animated movie, which is fantastic. If you haven't seen the first one, I highly recommend it. Okay. Um, really, I, I know you say anime, you think it's kitty. It's not. It's a really good movie. Uh, so this here is his, his first, uh, origin story and, um, let's find this one here. I'll have a, the barcode for you. This one here is the variant. So the modern comics run with variants. It's released the same day as the other book is. You had to order the hobby shop, had to order 15 copies of that other book to receive one of these. To perceive, okay. Okay. So you'll see okay. the ratio one to 15. That's what that means for comic books. Ah, okay. Um, down here, you'll see the barcode. That barcode lets you know, for this instance, it was only a hobby release, right? But if this barcode was present on a different book, you would know that that was a newsstand release, right? Okay, so newsstand. All right, got it. Yeah, that's that was that was there was a distinction there, and I wanted to explore it and understand it because, like anything, you want to learn the space. You, you kind of have to go through this process. Like, so how did you learn all that? Oh, dude, you just gotta dive in. Uh, you know, you you go on you on the message boards. You go on. I'm yeah. a forum guy. Um, forums, forums. Yeah, I was big into to Jordans and Nikes as a kid. Still, someone am. You see a pair of Jordans behind me. OG Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I was going on forums and, and researching as much as possible. When I got a cards, what I do? I went straight to blowout. I was on blowout. Blowout. Yeah, blowout's the first person I went to. Yeah, yeah. Um. So it it, it helped. It's a whole. You don't have to look like a noob, right? You can it, you know Correct. you can take in all the information at home in your pajamas. And become educated within right, right. I mean, it takes time. I mean, you sit there and parse through. I mean, pages, and you can see the bickering, the back and the forth. You try to ignore it. Get to the point. You, I, I'm constantly when I look about buying a card, I'm always typing in the name of the card, and right after it, blowout. And then I'll go on find forum, find them talking about it, get everybody's take on it. I'll ask a few, you know, people some questions about it. Then I'll make a decision on, on whether I want to purchase it or not. But yeah, I'm, I'm at the point now where I've pared it all down, right? I just have about 40 cards and slab cards and that's it. And I'm just lately, I'm, I, I, I might be getting into a side PC of Bo Jackson, but you just, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> Let, kind of a, I'll finish this one here. This is the one in 30. Okay. So one in 30, you have to buy 30 to get that one. Yep. So this is the more rare copy um this here in nine eight it's about like three or thirty five hundred dollars nothing crazy but for me i think that the the buy-in's pretty good on miles he's he's going to end up having a real life action movie at some point uh disney's really pushing him in mm -hmm. spider gwen which is ghost spider as a front you know poster child for spider-man uh, my kids love the cartoon there's a little kitty show called spotty and friends it's peter parker yep miles morales and then it's um spider gwen yeah, uh, uh, what's his face from Fallout Boy wrote all the all the score for it. You can tell it's obvious. Um, yeah, my kids love that show. Like Grace and my my son, my daughters, uh, they're totally into that. The Spidey, yeah, the 
So those are the characters then on that show that we're talking exactly. about right now. Exactly. Miles so there's and all that. They're conditioning. They're lining it up. It's a matter of totally, time. totally. So, 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 so you're playing futures, right? You're playing prospect on that. So that's how you, because that's what my friend was doing. Uh, my friend, his name is Adam. He was, uh, you know, he was doing the same thing from like a, a card perspective, but with the comics going, there is going to be a movie. So I'm going to buy a few of these books. And then when the movie comes out, that's my, my exit. So there's a great app. If you're interested in learning more about comics, it's called Key Collector. Um, you can get a subscription to get some better insight info. And that's what they highlight. Uh, they show you market trends. They'll tell you what movies and shows are coming out. Um, so that's what I did. I did the same thing, right? I was buying, knowing that a show was coming out, knowing that a movie was coming out and you were, you were selling two weeks, three weeks before that show, before that movie, because the hype of the old time high. Absolutely. Right Absolutely. Before. And so, but you're holding some of these. I can see, yeah. I can see you're showing me. So here's another book that I got, you know, this one is pretty sweet. Wow, it's old. Yep, that's Batman issue number four. So that's his fourth book. Uh, it, it, it released in winter of 1940. It's the fourth appearance of the Joker. Uh, it's the first mention of Gotham City. See all these little key things, right? The first mention of Gotham City, fourth Joker, tenth, fourth, fourth book, fifth, tenth book. It, it's it's Batman issue number four. He's he's been in more appearances, Batman, because he was in Detective Comics. But this yeah. is his fourth book. What people regard in the Golden Age era are ten cent comics, right? So you always hear people say, "Oh, it's a ten cent comic," because uh, that's what it was in the Golden Age era in the late thirties, early forties. There were ten cents. Um, another big moniker to, to mention here is off white to white pages, okay. which is huge for a Golden Age book. So typically these books are cream, they're brittle, uh, they're falling apart, and they have that distinguishing up there. But to have off-white white pages is, is big on a Golden Age book. And look how funny. They never dare to put that on the advertisement. The <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I laugh, I cough now. So it's, but it's, that's awesome. I, I wonder, um, so off-white to white, in, even though you can't see the, the book, you can't open it up to the, you, but they, they will detail that for you. So you know what you have in your hand. Correct. You know what you buy. You know what it is. It'll tell from the front cover. So if it's cream, it's more of a yellowish hue to it. Um, if it's off white, it will have a slight hue with some good color pop. If it's off white to white, it means that there's some vibrant colors along with it. Um, you, what's nice about the comic books is that you can look up a serial number and you'd be able to see the grader's notes. The graders will have detailed notes about that particular book. And do you, how is this track that you get pop reports and cards? So kind of, you know, wrap, wrap me into that. Same thing. Um, so C does, CGC has a pop report that you can pull and, up. And do the, does it distinguish between the off white, white distinguish? Is that, 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 all? It, that it does not. So not every three, five in the pop report is the is same. Equal. Okay. Exactly. And, and that's where it comes in. Um, you talk about mantles right earlier. Um, mm -hmm. Same era, kind of a little older here. Uh, what, what is it, or, or better off, um, Babe Ruth, what's the bigger draw? It's eye appeal, right? Someone may Correct. pay more for a seven than an eight because of eye appeal. And comics are the same way. So imagine if Mickey Mantle's cards and these vintage cards had off-white to white, cream to white. I think that would be fantastic. I think they should because it allows you to know I appeal without even having to like sit there with a the microscope and figure out what's better looking or not. It lets me know off the bat. White pages, it's a white card. Perfect. It's pristine. More mature hobby. Yep. 
more mature space. Yep. You have the distinguished distinct the distinction between it's illustrated for you. There's no less you, you can, the argument goes away. You eliminate the friction, right? You take that conspiracy, that conversation away. And now it's cleaner for you as a hobbyist to come well, in there and buy the car. And buy you take car. away all of these like subgroup companies right. coming out. Well, I'm going to put my diamond on this. Diamond, car. right. I'm going to do this. And, you know, uh, is it PWCC? This is a, a fine print and this, that, and the other. Like, yeah. CDC eliminates all that. And I wish if PSA, BGS did that, I think that'd be fantastic. It Unvented. would be. Unvented. It would be. No, I, 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 I agree. I think that's. It's one of the reasons why I'm like I, I you're just you're, you're dangerous to me right now because you know I'll be the I'm a I'm a collector I got that you know and I I've spent way too much money the last few years and I've sold a lot of stuff too but then then there's the tax piece of it that's kind of really crappy when you own a rental and you got your salary and then you got that little thing going on where you really just use that money to to, to fund capital for your because you keep recycling your collection yeah, well, but then you the, just the, taking losses just keep buying a red torkelson for 120 yeah right that only works for two years you can't you, you i'm up now i'm against now because i only do it for a couple years but it's my third year i can't have a loss now i'm gonna be i want to stay off the radar so anyway. yeah it, it is uh the space is really interesting because it does seem more mature and it, and it has this like element of so yeah show me more books like do you so what you hold why do you hold on to what you hold on to um, for first of all, the Batman's is rare. Uh, the Batman total population graded is under a hundred. That's it. That is all that's graded is under a hundred. Wow. Uh, when you start going through the grades, uh, three, five is pretty good. It's top 50% graded. So there's only 50 books better in that book than that book there. Uh, and that's, that's why the golden age stuff, you'll see like 0.5s and twos could sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars just because there's not many of them. We're talking at a time, and this is the other part of it that I love so much is the Americana to golden age books in particular, because you're talking about late thirties, early forties, which we had what we had war going on. So while the fathers were off at war and these kids were at home with these comic books and they're reading these books, who's there not to tell them to hold on to something and typically in the household. And when I grew up, my mom threw away everything. So, you know, it, you have a kid who's reading these comic books, you know, may have drawn, drawn on them. Father figure not there to say, hey, we should collect this and you should do this. It was a weird time. And I think that's why these books are so scarce and you don't see many of them. And if you do see them, guess what? They're stashed away in boxes in an attic in an old home that's been passed around three different generations. And so what's considered low pop? Yep. So you have Golden Age, which are going to be your 30s, 40s books, 50s, I think early 50s. Then you have Bronze, which are like late 60s, mid 60s, the 70s, early 80s. You have Silver. No, you have Silver, then Bronze, then Modern Age. So there's a whole tier. If you go to the Key Collector, it actually mm -hmm. highlights exactly what the years are um, okay. and, and where they fall in at. But the Bronze era... Uh, you know, that's after silver. It's a little murky. It start the print run started to get a little bit higher. Uh, silver age is a really good age. Again, that was a time at war, right? In your sixties, you have uh, another issue going on. So it's not like there's a ton of books out there. And then obviously the golden age to me, I think golden age will always be the pinnacle of comic books. Like, yes, of course, silver age was the birth of Marvel. So silver age is when Marvel came about. Uh, Stan Lee was writing, uh, Americana and uh, little tabloids that was given out to uh, U.S. soldiers while in World War II. And that's where uh, Captain America was birthed. And he was um, 
propaganda, you know, to be killing Hitler and Nazis and um, and to keep our soldiers motivated. And he was our sense of strength uh, to the young guys that were overseas fighting this war on behalf of us. Uh, and that's that's where it became Marvel. And then if you notice, he had some books uh, and I want to say in the Golden Age era, Captain America did. And then. Later on, that's when Marvel came back around when he got published because Stanley was trying to go out and try to find someone to publish his stuff. He ended up going with uh, what was his first book? I'm trying to think here. I want to say it was Fantastic Four. So Fantastic Four was the first breakout Marvel series. Okay. Reason why is because it was relatable. Uh he was highly regarded for bringing personal connection from reader to book. Whereas before, there was really not much of a connection. It was just more of a storytelling uh, with DC, uh, what, what they were doing in back in the uh, the Golden Age. So he had this connection with Fantastic Four, and people just took it by storm. And then he just came out with hit after hit after hit, and he did not stop. It was relentless. You know, he had Fantastic Four issue number one, two, they weren't in their uniform. And then issue, I think, number three or four, they end up coming out in their uniform. And they came out with the jet. And then issue number five was first appearance of Dr. Doom, which is just a menacing cover. It was just such an iconic book. Uh, and then from there, it started having uh, Neymar was a crossover. They had Neymar who came in. And they just, I think it was, and they just kept going and going. It was, it was, it was done so well, uh, the way that he did the whole Marvel landscape. You know, you had Spider-Man was introduced, uh, 62, I think he was. And then, you had so many different books at that time. So he was more of a connection from reader to book, uh, more so than DC was. And so what books in there in that series are coveted? The Doctor Doom one you, you mentioned. Those. Yeah, Fantastic Four issue number one is a big book. Uh, obviously, Amazing Fantasy 15 is a big book, which is first appearance of Spider-Man. You've got Amazing Spider-Man 1, which is a big book, which is his first solo cover which is a crossover from Fantastic Four in that book, um, which was a great kickoff. You got, uh, I want to say, Hulk issue number one, obviously his first appearance where he's gray. It's an awesome book. Um, the artwork on that sick. It's got Bruce Banner in the front and then Hulk in the background popping up. You've got Hulk issue number 181, I think it was, which is Wolverine's first appearance. That was a little bit later in, but that was a huge revamp revival because the x-men just went crazy x-men issue number one i mean you look at that book that book just looks so old uh to what their uniforms and suits are now and then wolverine really was like the flip switch where x-men got really cool uh and they had a, a lot of different spinoffs with gambit and other things mm -hmm. yeah i mean I, I i love marvel man marvel's great i think dc is undervalued though uh, just because it's supply demand. There's just not enough supply out there. Some books in DC you'll never see. It just doesn't come up for sale because there's only pop 60 total. Uh, you just never see it. I like that type of stuff. To me, the chase is more fun than actually getting right. the DC. What's that say, though, about DC if no one's willing to let go? I, I Again, I think right. DC... We have comic books are more collector based, right? You, you and I kind of had that brush over a little bit earlier. I think more people want to collect books Cards are, okay, I buy a sports card. How long do I have to hold this to flip it and make money? That's like people go in with the attention of that. And mm -hmm. comic books, that's not the case. Comic books, people buy these and, and stash them away and have millions of dollars of comic books. And they don't really ever tell anyone they have it. Right. It, 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 it's, you're not, okay, let, let's like dovetail that conversation into, okay, so what's the hobby like? What's that space like? How is it compared to cards? Do you have like a card porn 
for comics out there or a sports card radio site for comics? Card porn is unique. Let, let you know, card porn, it can be on their own mantle in their own world and be popular in their own space. I could leave it alone. That, <laughs> for me, I don't follow them. I don't really give them the time of day. Um, I say them because I'm sure it's probably a group of people. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't really give two craps about them. And, you know, in Star Wars, too. I mean, are you a Star Wars guy? I'm not a Star Wars guy. I've just never – I tried really hard uh, this last Man. year just to do it again. I tried. I couldn't. I just – it's just – I couldn't. I well, just I, had a hard time. I didn't show this then. I guess that would be – doesn't really matter to you. That's the Mal, Maldoronian, right? The Malder. No, this is Boba Fett. So is that the one that has the baby Yoda and he's like traveling around with him all the time? When that's he's a baby that's Yoda? Mandalorian. So uh, yeah, Boba Fett sure. is <laughs> – so Mandalorian is a new, newer concept. That's, that's what they just put on the TV show. This here is an original Star Wars 1979 uh, Kenner Star Wars, uh, which is a loose figure with the light green chest. And you'll see like they have like different grades right there. It's a grade. That is grade so cool. That is the toy thing is dangerous too because I am huge into. So, have you watched? There's a show on History Channel, like the toys that made America, or it's it's following that concept with like the, the history of like food of America, the Titans of America. Now they have the toys of America, and they walk through that. They went to Mattel, Star Wars, and went, "Hey, we want you to make a toy for this this movie," and Mattel was like. Get out of my face. We don't have time for that crap. No one movies don't sell toys. And so Kenner, this little upstart, and like I think Wisconsin or something, Minnesota or something like that. We're like, yeah, we'll do it. And they created like the model that what is it, four and a half inch or something? That yeah. was the like the set model now for, for those figurines. They look because before the G.I. Joes were like, you know, they're huge. Massive. They're yeah. massive. And but then they created these little characters and they, they became it was like their thing. And they kept going, well, the next movie that came out, they kept writing it and writing it. Unfortunately, once the movie was done, then they were pretty much done. But you got to thank those first characters that they created. Like, there's a there's a big. I, I encourage you to go watch it because I think you get a kick out of I it. Do. I would love to watch that. Yeah, it's just about the toys of the toys that made America. You can find it on History Channel, and they talk about they talk about that. But it it got me thinking as a collector. I'm like, gosh, like what are those things worth? Those original. Well, dude, so, so this is original here, um, but wow. this is a mass produced copy. If you would want it. In a, I mean, that that there is probably like four or five hundred bucks. You would right. want one that's carded when they call in, in uh, action figures. How's the card? It's the back stock that they're referring to. OK, um, so, you know, it's there's all these different. Like, I know too much about too much. It's exhausting. I, I, I think these types of conversations about like figurines, video games, books, comic books, cards. It's all the same in yeah. a way. It's all. It's all the same. We collect stuff. We collect things that matter. Um, okay, see, I'm in Seattle, so like, you know, 10 minutes north of me is Everett. Funko is right there. Gotcha. I got the headquarters. Boom. I'm right there. I can go in there anytime I want. It's about the only thing I have at my disposal here because otherwise you guys are all on the East Coast. LA is down there. Um, but I've got Funko, man. So talk to me about Funko. Like, you, since we're in a figurine. Well, you, you just hit – a huge sore subject in my life. <sighs> okay. Okay. Well, do explain. So, so I have this innate ability of always being early to everything and also being the first one out on everything. You got out of that. 
So I was collecting Funko Pops when they first came out uh, in high quantity. I hopped in the forums. I was a huge forum guy and was connecting with people at all the different Comic Cons. It's when Gemini website would drop their uh, San Diego Comic-Con releases and they would sit for days and then they would get discounted, right? Because no one was buying them. I collected specifically everything, uh, everything DC and everything Marvel for the first year and a half. Everything. Clamshells, you name it. I wow. had everything. Uh, even down to some prototypes that were sold on uh, Gemini because Gemini would have some of the prototypes there because you can go... To, I think that one I, I can't remember what it was called it was a wacky, wacky Funko day or whatever. And they would do it once a year. You would go and you'd get like a just giant like goodie bag of stuff. And that's where a lot of the prototypes were given out at this these events. And bro, we were talking about back then, it was like 40, 50 people go to these. Now you have to have a, a, a valet line to be able to even get in. So here I was at all these things. And, and this is what I was in college and uh, <laughs> I had them displayed in my apartment at the time, in the boxes. And my wife's like, uh, my girlfriend at the time, like, what are you doing? Like, did you, we have people coming over for wine and, and we're drinking, we're, we're trying to be adults here and you're still a child. Like, what the, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, all right, well, I, I can't. So, 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 then we, so then we moved to a different apartment and I'm like, well, I guess they better sell all these, right? They've, <laughs> you saw they've nice, you know, a little bit. And listen, I was such a nerd with this that <clears throat> had everything. There was a Funko site where you could enter in all data entry of what you had and how many quantities of, and it would tell you data. It would tell you what the value, current value is of those items. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. And I, the worst thing I ever did was actually create accounts. So I sold all these Funkos. I pro Let's say... If I was in seven grand, just hypothetically speaking, on these Funkos over time, I maybe sold them for 10 grand. Okay. Okay. So I made two grand. Like, well, I made two grand, whatever. And moving to this apartment, a year and a half goes by, and I'm at the mall and I'm like, holy shit, Funko Pops, all right, hot topic. I'm like, cool. I'm like, now, now they're becoming mainstream. And I just start to see there's this huge boom. I'm like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. So then, so then I then I log in on that site and I should have never had. And my Funko collection was worth $145,000. And that was at peak. That was at like super peak. It was sickening. Yeah, that was sickening. Bro. So there, there's my, my, there's my Funko story. They don't share often with anybody because I'm so what? sour. Yeah. Man, I feel like I need to go buy you a pop or something, boss. No, like I, I, I need to. I, I don't own any. You don't I, want. You don't want I'm them. You scarred. can't have them in your house. I'm, now. I'm literally scarred for life. You can't even look at one. Like, I was like, I think it was a while back. Oh man, I was like, I'll take you guys to a tour. I'll tell like, bro. I was like, get no, man. I'm off IG for a minute. Well, you know, I, I get them. Killing I'll, me. I'll get them as random presents, you know, over the years, and I'll just like. Regift them like I don't want as it as fast mouth. as you possibly can. You cannot have a pop. Of my <laughs> That's not funny. I'm not laughing at you. I am. I'm not laughing at, at an expense of you. I just think it's crazy to me because when you ask me, okay, first thing that comes to your mind when you think about bro, I would say dude knows how to get in and get out of a market. He's smart. He doesn't hang on. He go. He takes. He takes money that's on the table. He doesn't. He's really smart about that. And then you. Then then you give me this. This, this this story about Funko Pops, I just don't understand. It's weird to me that they've 
I, I remember when they first came out, my, a, a guy down the street lives down the street with me. He has this wall full of them. And this is about like probably around the time you were buying them. And I remember looking at all the, I can't get a Ken Griffey Jr. one to save my life. I can get every, a lot of other ones. Um, but he had a wall of them. And I was like, what the hell? What are those? Why do you have those? Like, are they toys, bro? Like, what's going on, man? Like, or how are you doing? And he's kind of like, yeah, no, this is really, really cool. Let me check. Let me check this one out. This one's a gold one. This one's a silver one. I'm like, dude, they're like toys, boy. Like, what are we, let's go grab a beer. Come on. What are we talking? What are we looking at toys for? I, I wasn't, I didn't get it. Right. And I was, now I've got my, one of my, uh, our, we got a hutch in the room across over here and I've got a big old stack of them like you know jordan just larry bird patrick mahomes and you know some of that kind of stuff notorious big tupac you know um i just can't believe how big of a deal my kids love them they don't want them in the boxes obviously they rip those things out yeah. and they play with them but megan my wife megan thinks i'm an idiot for like why do you keep them in the box what's the point of that i was like well they're more valuable I was like are you really going to sell those like why does it matter like why do you like i don't know i think it's kind of cool it's an ever company it's kind of a cool deal that they're such a big deal and they got the big figurine. The kids love it. They go in there. It's cool. There's no kids in there. Just a bunch <laughs> yeah. of grown men. Not women. Grown yeah. men. Well, it started off as just bobbleheads uh, is, is how it started off. And they, they were like the bobblehead company for years. And then all of a sudden, they showcase the Funko Pops. And it just went wild. It was... The first Funko Pop uh, DC one collaboration was in a clamshell. It wasn't like a, a clear plastic shell with a hook. And it was at San Diego Comic-Con. They just had them on shells and they were glowing in the dark. It was Green Lantern. It was the classic Batman in the, in the blue and sky blue and yellow outfit. It was Batwoman um, and then a couple other ones. Uh, and they just weren't crazy, bro. Like those, those, I was paying 400 bucks. No, I was paying less. I want to say I was paying like two or three hundred dollars for those, maybe four on a couple uh, as it went on, and those are those ended up being worth like fifteen grand a piece. We don't have to keep torturing you, my friend. Yeah, I'm not going to keep torturing you. That's all right. So we'll move on from Funko Pops. Um, that's insane. I didn't know there's there's Funko Pops out there worth that much. I'm not terribly surprised. I know there's a big market for them. They they just had to move like warehousing down to Phoenix because they just don't have the space here to do it. It's too expensive up here anyway. But. Um, Okay, talk to me. All right, let's let's go. We're, we're really into this deep because we could probably geek out on a lot of these things for a while. Personally, I like it because I'm learning. Um, and you're definitely teaching people that are going to watch this. So you have to take out, take off. You got to grab only a handful of things. Obviously, your kids and your wife, priority. <laughs> the important thing is dog, cat, whatever, you know, animal. You got to grab a handful of stuff, 10, 15 things, whatever you can, you know, fit in your hands. What are you taking? So I'm taking my coveted Dragon Ball collection at the moment because um, mm -hmm. that's what I have put a lot of money into and that's what I hold near and dear to my heart at the moment. So I'll show you a couple stuff here. Actually, I'm going to go through the ringer, right? Yeah. So these here are gold cards. I know it's really hard to see. You, you can be see them though. Yeah, I can see them. So these here are were awarded to first, second, third place winners at the national tournament. Uh, are you familiar with Pokemon a little bit? A little bit. My daughter collects them. You've seen the Illustrator car that everyone goes crazy about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this would be like the equivalent of the handout of tournaments. Uh, you have to win all year round to get invited to national tournament to be able to fight your way uh, playing the, the card game to get to this point to get to these. So these are prize cards, right? Uh, this They only make 
uh, in this year, 2019, these were, it was five copies each in English. I don't have the third one because he's asking an astronomical amount. I'm not paying that yet because <laughs> I out of spite because um, they used to be really cheap back in the day when I was collecting them. And I just circled back on them about six months ago. Okay. Uh, so I'm missing one from the three card set. Uh, these are 2019. And then 2020 comes around and it's COVID, right? So they can't do any in-person tournaments. Um, they end up doing online tournaments. So this basically was in place of the uh, gold card. It says champion on there. Uh, this was awarded to the champion that was on the online regional series. So this would be like a place of the gold one from there. I know I'm going through a lot, but uh, no, no, but it's like it's these are things that people win and yes. then they grade them and then they sell them and you can own what they well, want. I, I buy them, I, I'd like to buy them from winners and I'll get to 2022 and kind of get you through what I'm doing with that at the moment. Um, 2021 is here. I got two copies of Vegeta, I've got this Goku and then this Shenron. Um, these were all purchased graded already just because i was late to it right someone else had purchased them from a winner and then graded it um that's 2021 but why this do the winners sorry to interrupt you but why do the winners sell it so that's 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 their money so a lot of these okay. these guys that play the game they're playing obviously to make money off the game they yeah. don't really necessarily care about these cards they want to build decks they want to be able to afford to go to the next show to be able to next events uh, so these these prize cards are one with the understanding that you're probably going to sell them because that's it's, I mean imagine this like you're playing this circuit as fun every once in a while you go to nationals you win you sell one of these cards for fifteen thousand dollars that's not necessarily a terrible payday for someone who's just playing a game recreationally as that's their hobby right so you wouldn't mind if you're playing your hobby and getting paid fifteen grand just to show up and you know win a tournament. Yeah. And that $15,000 card raw graded ends up being, you know, $25,000, $30,000. Why? Why? Why is it so valuable? Because only, of the rarity of it? Yep. The rarity of it. Yeah. There's there's only five of each copy made. Um, and if you collect if you collect these cards, do you play the game? Is that what, do you play the no, game? Is, no, I, you I, just, I, collect, I, just collect the cards. I'm a huge, huge anime fan. Dragon Ball is my okay. favorite anime of all time. I read the manga. Um, so for me, it's this collecting situation going on. It actually is one of the biggest collecting bases for anime. Uh, Dragon Ball is. Uh, so like these here are top 16. These were handed out to people that finished top 16. You'll see there's, a, I think, a stamp wow. on this one here in the paper one. Black these are labels. both black labels. So that goes with my 2021 set. Uh, and then 2021 was the first time that they did a world tournament. So Pokemon has had a world tournament. If you make it to a point where your TCG, which is table card game, has a world tournament stage, you're basically, you've made it, right? Like your game now solidified. People can win the nationals, can win regional to get the national. And then what they did was they took the first place winner uh, from each national around the, uh, the world and brought them to the world stage. So it's extremely hard to get into because you obviously have to win first place to get invited. Uh, the first place world champion got a exclusive gold card. Uh, my buddy owns that one and it's valued close to about $200,000. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a huge card. It's, a, it's the biggest card in Dragon Ball by far. Uh, but those people that did not win, they did get something and they were world championship stamped cards. I'm not going to show you all of them. It was a 12 card set. 
when I got back into Dragon Ball really heavy around the national, so uh, back in July it was, I was buying the world championship cards, the world championship stamp cards. Big, big fan of them just because, you know, they only made so many copies of them. You know that for a fact. And I had unfortunately purchased the biggest card from that set in a black label. And then I got this black label itch and I was like, I'm going to get the entire 12 card set in black label. And that talk was- to me about the, talk to me about the space. Like, so comic books, cards, TCG. Mm-hmm. Are they, what, how would you rank them? Like the like relevance, how big for me on a personal level or just like how I think on a national level for everyone. Pretend I'm, I'm, I'm completely naive to all of it. How would you, um, if, I'm, if I'm asking you that question, what would you tell me? I, I think, you know, when, when I saw the list of most iconic cards and Charizard wasn't top five, I thought it was a shame. Um, you could show Charizard that photo to one of your kids right now and they go, oh, that's Charizard. Yeah, my daughter would know that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you show a photo of Mickey Mantle. They're like, I don't know who the hell it is, Dad. What are you showing me this for? Okay. Uh, so, so for me, I think that there's more relevancy in TCG space longer term because animes keep coming out, mangas keep coming out. And to be frank, anime's been more popular uh, and more acceptable. Like when I watched anime back in the day, yeah, I, I would watch it, would talk on it on the football team and stuff like that with my buddies. Um, but it wasn't huge, right? Like you didn't see people wearing anime gear everywhere. If you did, it was like people that were like socially awkward and no one wanted to hang out or talk with them. And now you've got people like Zion getting, you know, Naruto, uh, you know, drawn on his shoes that he's playing basketball in and all across the leagues are having Goku or, you know, Luffy from One Piece. Like it's just all over the place. Now it's, it's a socially acceptable thing where it's not taboo. You watch anime or oh, you read manga, you're a loser. Like that's not the case anymore. And I, I don't think it ever was the case. I just think that back then, you know, it was a newer thing for people and it was hard for them to understand because you know the birth of anime really was like late 70s early 80s that's relatively new for something uh and then it, it keep coming out with more episodes and more movies and dragon ball movies and, and people love it you know one piece just came out with their first tcg in english that's really big from bandai and people are heavily prospecting and investing in that like i am a big big fan of that it's one of the most watched animes in the world so you know i, I it's more relatable like you know i i can I can watch this. I can feel the character's uh, sense of who they are. Whereas, you know, Metadu was this big pump and dump scheme where people just, oh, you got to buy this. And they were pushed by celebrities. There was nothing back in it. There was no anime. There was no manga. There was no relatability. You know, with TCG geared towards like anime and shows, like there's relatability there. Like you're always going to have a collector base if there's a show. It just, it just is what it is. Like, for instance, you're always going to want to collect Mariners cards. Why? Because you're a Mariners fan. So it doesn't matter if the player sucks or not. You're still going to want to buy it. Does it matter if those cards go down to zero dollars? Like right now, if my Dragon Ball collection went to zero dollars, I'd be like, you know what? That sucks. But guess what? They're going. They're going up here. They're getting displayed. And I'm not going to worry about them getting not gonna, Right. I'm going to worry about them getting sold. What's a Mongu? Mongu? Explain uh, that to me. Yeah, ma- manga. It's the manga. manga. Manga, however you want to pronounce it. It's basically it's a Japanese uh, comic book. Okay. So it's the comic book. That, yep. that, that connects it's, to the it's the original uh it's like the script so the anime will vary sometimes from the script of the manga or the manga um so it you know it's just but you can read that before so usually the manga or manga comes out like a year or two before the anime does so you if you watch the anime you're just kind of catching up on your scene on the big screen one two three the and the mongo mongo it's called manga 
Mega. Yeah. The book show. No. Manga the show. The book show. Oh, art. Then the card. This is the time where the card, it's not a big, you talked about Spider-Man book. That's not the, but this is a time where it's almost like an extension of the book, right? This is yeah. that starts there, well, originates. It's because it's a TCG. It's a table card game, right? And like, Got it. You, you need the game to be, have a great level of playability for people to want to play it and be involved in it and have not only collector base, but also a player base where people are showing up to nationals because they got invited. And I think this, so this weekend's the U S nationals. Uh, it's not U S it's the North American nationals. So it's Canada and in U S uh, it's being held in Orlando. Thankfully for me, I get to drive over there and try to buy everything that I can uh, in, in person, <laughs> which is, I'm, I'm happy. Dangerous thing, man. It's like Dude, it sucks. So, so this is the world championship stuff. Um, yeah. I was able to collect all of them in black label. So it's a 12 wow. card set that I was able to collect in black label. It's my greatest accomplishment as a collector uh, over wow. my years. This is the big one here. Uh, this is Goku and Vegeta's the Apex of Power. This here was a set card. What I mean by that was it was released in a set older previous. And they brought this card back for the world championship stage. And you'll see in the middle there, it has the world championship stamp 2021. Uh, this card here is big. It's probably a top five Dragon Ball card in existence. Uh, that was the first card I bought when I got back in. And then I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to be able to do this. And I was networking with people all over the world, Australia, Hong Kong, Japan, uh, Italy, just trying to buy everything that I could. It was it was tough because some of these cards are pop one, and most of them are. Uh, and trying to get them out of collectors' hands was very difficult. It was a very hard task, and I was missing one. So there was one card that I didn't have, and I was like, "Oh my god, I've got eleven of the twelve, and it's the worst card of the twelve cards. It's the cheapest. It's the ugliest. No one wants it, and yet no one has a black label. There's one BGS ten gold label. I owned it, and I was like, I'm going to be stuck." with the worst blue balls for the rest of my life, not knowing that I could have collected this set and being one of the greatest TCG uh, moments from collectability standpoint. And sure enough, a buddy of mine in Hong Kong DMs me. He goes, are you ready? Are you sitting down? I'm like, what's up, man? Because I did it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was like, I hit that card in a black lane. I'm like, oh my God, like, right, whatever you need, it doesn't matter. And luckily he didn't rake me over the coals. Uh, it, was a, it was a fair price. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to collect it. But this year... I already have it prepped to grade. Um, this is a Goku gold one from 2022 National Champions. Those just look so cool. They're heavy, man. They're they heavy. just look. They're substantial. Yeah, you know, you know that they're a good card. Um, so that I'm, I'm this weekend, I'm hoping to get the other two, and then I want to grade them all at once to get sequential uh, serial right. numbers from Beckett. Dude, I am so happy to hear that you got your blue balls, and I. I think we're all gonna sleep better tonight. No, bro got his bro got his blue balls. Bro got his blue balls. I, I do I do want to know one other card. Um do you it. You mentioned taking off uh out of the house. This one here is more like a family heirloom deal that I'll give to my kids, and I have a couple sets of them, uh, which is my wife's father who played in the NFL. Oh, that's awesome, man. You told me you didn't have any sports cards. Yeah, this doesn't really matter. This doesn't count, you know. That does that's a sports card. So this now, one, now you're officially a collector of sports yeah. cards. So, so this one I have this played here. And, <laughs> that's and cool. That, that's that's cool. what I'll be able to pass down to, to my kids. Absolutely. Of, you know, part Absolutely. of uh, their grandfather. 
We'll talk about that for a second, though. I mean, that's a really cool card. That's the sentimental piece is really neat. Yeah. He played in the NFL. Like, where did he play college? How did that work? Well, he, he played at the University of South Carolina. Good old country boy. He went to South. He was born and raised in South Carolina. Played at King Gamecocks. Uh, I think got drafted with the Bills, and then ended up with the uh, the Jets, and then retired and played down here at the Bucks. So he was on a team with um, Joe Namath, which, oddly enough, my bro Namath uh, is not originated from that. However, some of the stories that he's told me definitely gave precedence to why I like Joe Namath so much. And that's where the bro Namath comes from. Wow, look what we just did yeah. there, man. Yeah. Look at what we just did there. Look yeah. at that. Look what just happened. You know, every, the whole thing was back in the day, everyone called someone Bro Tana. Oh, what's up, Bro Tana? They had this whole play sure. on bros. For and sure. I was, like, For I was sure. like, well, Joe Namath is way cooler than Joe Montana. So I went with the Bro Namath. Oh, yeah. No, Joe, dude, Broadway Joe. Yeah. Dude, dude his stories are epic. So we'll, we'll be hanging. He's not a very social person um, until he had a couple of drinks. He's a yeah. big man. He's a six foot five. He's probably, you know, close to 300 pounds still to this yeah. day. Um, I want to, I want to say he just turned he's near 70 now. And every year he sends me, uh, on his birthday, him maxing on the bench. And I think this year he hit like 325. I'm like, dude, you're almost 70. You're hitting 325 on the bench. Like this, and is, this is your father. Yeah, this is. Yep. That is so dope. So, so he, dope. uh, wow. he tells me, he tells me some really, really rad stories of, uh, of Joe Namath, yeah. like them at bars and, um, was Olivia Newton, John, she was the yeah. one on the cruise, yeah. you know, she yeah. was coming over to, uh, so um, spring training, not spring training, but uh, preseason, like in their like you know hotels and stuff like that, looking for Joe Namath, and he was she was walking up, and uh, my father-in-law was like, "Hey, well, where where are you going?" He was like, oh, "I'm looking for Joe." It's like, "Oh, Joe's in my place." Then no, he's not. Tell me where he's at. <laughs> it's just you know, Joe just did whatever he want, man. It was hilarious. That's crazy stuff, man. You know, <clears throat> this is yeah, what a fun episode. Um, I I I know you eat well. And uh, I know that because of some of the stuff you post, man. You eat well. I want to know, what's your go-to cocktail? Go-to cocktail? Oh. First, your go-to cocktail, and I want and tell me your best bourbon. Oh, man. I think you're just, a bourbon guy. Yeah, I am. I, I think it would go hand-in-hand. Hand. I don't really – I don't like old fashions much anymore just because it's a little sweeter for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more on a rocks guy. So if I go out to a restaurant, I usually get a double Blanton's on the rocks um if i see something on the menu that definitely gets me going like some pappies i will always order pappies Find a pappies yeah i'll always order pappies if i see it on the menu you can't find it it's so hard if i can't i've never i've <laughs> never There's, had it you've never had it i can't find it so hey, i've had john howie steak in bellevue over here where basically everybody who has money lives and they still don't have they didn't have they didn't have pappies so we went to uh a hotel i want to say like four months ago it was Don Cesar over in St. Pete. I'm not sure if you heard of it. It's like this, it's famous for being this pink hotel. Um, back in the day, it used to be like a famous hotel where like, you know, Mickey Mantle and all the Yankees would stay at back in, back in the day for spring training out here. Mm-hmm. So we go there around this rent restaurant. I look at the menu. I open it up. I'm like, holy shit. They've got 15 year and 20 year on the menu. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm like, listen, this is, and I got, and it was not badly priced. It was fifty and eighty dollars for a drink, yeah. And, and I know people listening are probably like, "Oh, that's so probably much- like they don't understand." You got to get the context yeah. of what Pappy's is. Like, yeah, like that this, stuff is not. It's like a mythical creature that you hear about, you just never see, and to see it in the wild, priced at that price point, I was like, "Yeah, let me go ahead and order that." 
It's like um, a large out of focus monster. It's like it's like the Bigfoot, large out of focus, blurry monster you never see. Yep. But we know it exists. Oh, oh my God! It, it's it's good. It's What's it? Okay, give me give me the notes. Like, what does it feel like? What's the mouth feel? Um, you know, when you get to the more high end bourbons, you don't have that bite, right? And a lot of people are going to think, oh well, bourbon, you know, it, it burns my throat and it hurts. Uh -huh. Like. As you get a little bit higher up, you let it sit on the rocks maybe for a solid two minutes. It's just so smooth. You rocked it? Wow. I, I would I would neat. No, I wouldn't rock. I you wouldn't I, want to at least try it neat to see what what it was like. I've, I've had it. Um, okay, so I, had a, had it right. I had a bottle um, a couple years ago that was gifted to me from High End Kyler, a uh, guy on Instagram. I was helping him with his subs and, you know, doing some stuff like sending him off to get graded because he's just lazy bum. So I was doing it for him. <laughs> so he gifted me that. It was nice. It was That's a really a great, it was a generous gift. And I ended up getting another bottle after that one. It just, the problem is that it's so smooth and it's so good and it tastes so fantastic that it goes too quick. And it sneaks up on you too. You have some, you know, it, it does. It does. I mean, any, any high end liquor that's smooth like that will creep up on you. However, it just, it was too good. You don't want to put it down. It was just yeah. it's the taste. It's uh, the aroma too. Like, you know, I, I do like drink it neat every once in a while, especially if it's my first glass, I'll do neat. And then I'll go to rocks. Um, that smell on a neat pour is just fantastic, man. You're making me thirsty. It's like, uh, what time is it right now? It's 1242. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I don't even, I can't be touching it, but um, at least not right now. That's really cool. So we've talked about, we've covered, and I'll have one more question for you. We'll wrap. We've talked about blue balls. We've talked about uh, Funko. We've talked about bourbon. We've talked about cards, comics. We've talked about Bowman. We've talked TCG. Um, all right. We've covered it. This has been a very productive episode. I know it doesn't fit all the boxes, but I don't care about boxes. I don't care about what things fit. I like just getting good value. I like learning stuff. I feel like I learned a little bit today um, and I hope people do too. And we can keep talking about it because I just think there needs to be more conversation around comics, TCG, all that stuff. Cause it is fascinating to me. Um, you get a hundred thousand dollars, been asking everybody this, you get a hundred grand. I have, a, I have an idea what you're going to do with it. You have a, you get a hundred grand. You, no one cares what you do with it. What do you do with that hundred grand? You got to spend it on cards, comics, not paps, not pappies, cards, comics, TCG. What do you do with it? Hmm. You combine stuff? Do you sell stuff? What do you do? I am buying. You, know, you got to sell stuff now to combine to the hundred. Well, you got a hundred. You can sell some uh, stuff, put some money if, to it. What do if you do? I had a hundred grand to splurge in any one particular area, it's going to be TCG prize cards. Okay. So it'll be Pokemon uh, World Championship uh, one through three placers. So that's first, second, third. It would be an Illustrator card. It would be Dragon Ball Gold cards, which is what I've done. Um, I would go in that direction. I think okay. prize cards are severely undervalued. I think they're extremely rare. I think that you know, when the dust settles, um, there's next year is going to be rough. I think everyone knows that um, economically in the U.S. And if you're investing in anything long term, it needs to be stuff that doesn't see the market often, that you don't see in every auction, every auction house five, six times a month. That's supposed to be a grail or rare. Uh, those are the cards that you should be holding on to. The people that know that there's long-term value that doesn't want to continue to do a quick flip and devalue the card. So those cards are what I've seen in the market do not get flipped over and over. Sounds good, man. Let's do this again sometime. Friends, Bro Namath, thank you for being on this uh, this, this uh, episode. And yeah, I look forward to doing something again soon. Let's talk Bowman Chrome. Let's talk other things. Let's keep talking TCG and comics. Thanks for taking time, man. This has been cool. great. 
appreciate you, man. Thanks, guys.